to humans, leading humans towards the future of work that works for people. A smorgasbord of snackable stories to help you be a more effective leader. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Thank you so much for joining me. So today's guest is the extraordinary Kim Pullman, who is the founder and the chair of Reboot the Future, which was launched at the World Economic Forum at Davos a couple of years ago. She is an inspiration and very much an imaginal leader. And she's got a really powerful and a powerfully simple tip, which I promise you will help you be the best leader you can be. Whatever level you're at, whatever it is you do as a boss, as a manager, as a trainer, as a parent, whatever you do and wherever you do it, I promise you that this tip is going to help you. Now, you will know by now that most of the people that I invite to be guests on Humans Leading Humans are senior leaders working inside big, complex organisation. And Kim is not that at all. But, and it's a big but, anyone who has worked with me and Beep knows that the imaginal leader story is absolutely pivotal to the Bible according to Beep. That story was inspired by Kim and her partner in crime, Stephen. So if you haven't heard me tell the story about imaginal leaders and why it's important to every single one of us, I'll add the links in the notes. I'm not going to tell you now. So I had an amazing, long, wonderful conversation with Kim a couple of weeks ago. And I know that her message is going to resonate with you. And it is absolutely completely aligned with our create framework. But before I introduce you to the wonderful Kim, I just want to thank all of you for all of your fantastic and very useful to me feedback. Keep it coming. Is there something you want more of? Is there something you want less of? Is there someone I should invite to be a guest on Humans Leading Humans? So obviously you can contact me using the form at catskeely.com or you can DM me on LinkedIn. But keep that feedback coming because you know that I believe that everything can be better. Always. And now, without further ado, I am delighted to introduce you to Kim Pullman. Kim Pullman, I cannot tell you how delighted and honoured I am to have you as a guest on Humans Leading Humans. In time-honoured kind of ritual, I suppose, I need to explain how I met you now. I've only met you now because of the podcast, but if I can say how I knew of you and why I was inspired to invite you to be a guest. A few years ago, Christmas, cocktails, probably one too many, I ended up talking to this incredible man called Stephen Vasconcellos Sharp. 
And he was telling me that he was writing a book with this amazing woman called Kim Pullman, and it was called Imaginal Cells. And he told me this wonderful story from biology, which has changed the way that I help leaders to understand why it's important to cluster. You all know the story, guys, listeners. So that's how we met. I reached out to Kim saying, you've inspired me. The book has inspired me. The story has inspired me. Would you be a guest? And here you are. So could you tell the listeners, who are you? What have you done to hear? Oh, well, thank you, Katz. I'm really honored to have been invited. And anytime I meet anybody who has picked up on the imaginal story and taken it forward, I just get really excited. It was a brilliant idea that Stephen had to uh, include that as part of our project. I met Stephen also kind of randomly, <laughs> and uh, we just clicked and started putting this book together. And he wanted it about leadership. And I said, well, you know, there's lots of books out there where bookshelves are full of them at home. What about the golden rule? And he thought about it for about 10 seconds and he said, oh, good. <laughs> I was always grateful for him. So we, we put this book together, which is a collection of articles. Of, there are about 25 in them by different authors who are all doing great things in the world. Uh, they wrote their article in the context of the Golden Rule as their motivation. And it touches on broadly different SDG topics. Um, so we, we have an article about the oceans and about of natural capital and climate change, of course, the planetary boundaries. There's mind heart uh, article. There's just a whole lots and lots of different topics from indigenous people to bank leaders to uh, company leaders to uh, religious people as well. So a real variety. And the thing that ties them all together is this golden rule. And once we published the book and launched it at Davos, at the World Economic Forum, we uh, established um, an NGO called uh, Reboot the Future, starting something new out of nothing. <laughs> and this was a few years ago, actually, uh, before this was so widely taught, these things were so widely talked about. So we were kind of, um, you know, at the forefront here. So it took a little while to get things going, but now we have a full organization and a small, small organization, and we work a lot in education. Um, we work different levels of education from from primary through through college and university, actually master's programs. Uh, we work with leaders. We carry out conversations. We've produced another book and a film. And yeah, just lots of different things going on at the moment. And it is pivotal to everything we're talking about in this podcast, because actually, I had a conversation with you a couple of weeks ago, and I have not stopped talking about what you said to me since then. Maybe in 10 different conversations, I was going, oh my God, yeah, Kim told me this amazing thing, which suddenly clarifies so much about what it means to really be a leader. So Kim, what is your story number one? Oh, well, thank you, Katzen. It's exciting always to hear that I'm being quoted. <laughs> 
that's nice. I think the reason you're probably quoting me is because of this golden rule. We have a modern version of it, which is treat others and the planet as you would wish to be treated. And my first story is really a little more in-depth explanation of that and why it is so important, why you connected to it. I see behind you on our Zoom call your list of values, um, connection, collaboration, reward, respect, trust, transparency. Your head is in front of two <laughs> yes. um, expertise, autonomy, accountability, etc., empathy. You know, I, I was looking at your list, thinking about it in the context of the golden rule. And that's a long list to remember and keep track of. But I, I know I for sure would love to have all of those in my life. I would love people to express those to me. And the golden rule, though, demands that if I want people to express that to me, I really need to express it to others. And because I want all of those things in my life, the golden rule is just a really short summary. <laughs> and so if I have the, sh the golden rule in my head, then I can just be behave that way. It really drives me. And we added the planet because I was inspired by the Laudato Si from the Pope, who uh, included the planet in, in his views of where the world needs to go. So just in case anyone is as uninformed as I was when we first started talking, express the golden rule so that people can hear it, internalize it, and start to live it. Treat others and the planet as you would wish to be treated. There are many, many versions of this. This is a, the most modern version of it, but it's been taught by Confucius and Buddha and Jesus and Mohammed and the Greek philosophers and a Peruvian king and a Roman emperor, and it is actually the the very basis of the charter for the UN. It is actually in the charter, the constitutions of many states in the United States. It is so historical. In fact, there's a historian, Geisler, who has researched the Golden Rule for decades and has an online list of sources that he has found referring to the Golden Rule. And if one of the questions I had to ask myself is, why? Why has this been around for thousands of years? And really, it's the core of being human. That's why. We all end up coming to that point of understanding that we really are happy when we live for other people. Sure, we have to take care of ourselves, but we also are only happy if we are caring for others. So that's the real core of being human. And, you know, what I love most about this modern age is that neuroscientists have proven this. You know, with all those chemicals that our brains are producing, they just to teach us that this is really 
really so fundamental to who we are as human beings. So as you're talking, and I'm loving listening to you, and it's such a simple philosophy, and actually if you put everything, every action through that lens, we would not be in the mess we are today. But I'm thinking that maybe some of the listeners who are working in complex organizations and they probably found themselves under tremendous stress and discomfort and feeling like the people around them are behaving in this way and therefore I have to. How do we help them to remember to apply that lens? Yeah, you know, I I kind of um, see our brain as being on a spectrum So we've got this reptile brain, which is about survival by fighting and flighting, you know, that kind of thing. And then we've got over here the brain that is the mammal brain that is more caring for others. And and the ultimate expression of that is if you've reached nirvana. You know, but you know, neither That's of us. We all want to be the Kim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I think we'd all like to have that peace of mind all the time. But none of us are really at either of those extremes. We're we're somewhere on that spectrum. So every day we actually have a choice. Where are we living on that spectrum? So you could ask yourself, do you want to be the destroyer? or the builder? Do you want to be the taker or the giver? Do you want to be the one creating dissent or the peacemaker who is finding solutions? Do you want to be the person who's shouting? Do you want to be shouted at? No, I don't want to be shouted at. So I should take the responsibility and not be the shouter. I should be the listener because I want people to listen to me. Are you going to be the intimidator or the collaborator? Do I want to be known as an intolerant person or a tolerant? Do I want to be known as a selfish person or a generous one? And do I want you cats to be generous to me or do you want you to be selfish? And then you know, divisive or cooperative. You can think about all of these things. And if you take all of your qualities, there's an opposite to all of them. And what is it that you want to have expressed to you? Then I have the responsibility to express that to others as well. So I I think, you know, who's going to be the first? If you've got, if you're in a situation where those wonderful qualities are not being expressed, You know, it just takes one person to be the first, to change the dynamics totally. It really makes me think about my last interviewee, Roxanne, who is uh, a chief, uh, she's a CEO, but they call her the chief encouragement officer. And one of the stories she told was about the moment where she realized that she needed a really clear vision of what kind of leader she wanted to be. Because without that, and without always reminding herself to check in everything she was doing, does that fit with my vision? I mean, it's not easy, is it? But it's that getting yourself into the habit of always remembering where am I trying to get to as a leader and how close am I getting? I think that's right. And I mentioned before that when I was having my babies, and they were the youngest one, I recall, the, the first one, sorry, the first one who came. Um, and as he was learning to talk, 
at about three years old, I had noticed that he was saying things that I taught. Of course, he learns from me, but it, it occurred to me, oh, I need to be really careful what I say, how I behave, uh, because if he's going to, if I'm angry and shouting and, you know, just, obviously we all lose our temper at some point, but if it happens all the time, then that's what they learn. That's the behavior they learn. And it's the same with leaders. The people working for you learn from you. Yeah. And I, I see... What do you want them to learn? Yeah. What behaviors do you want them to mirror? Because that's what happened. I was, I, so I'll quite often have a conversation with, with a see something, oh, whatever they're doing. And they'll say, I just don't understand. My teams just won't take initiative. They won't get on, do something. They're always waiting for permission and it slows everything down. And then in the next breath, they'll say, don't bring me any bad news. Hmm. And I'm going, um, well, at the end of the day, you have to be the change you want to see. So unless you're constantly empowering, you're not gonna get those behaviors. Kim, brilliant. And listeners, just start thinking about the simplicity of that one question and running through things through the lens and just see how much it changes the way you think. What's your story number two? Yeah, well, story number two is actually a fuller expression of the golden rule. Reboot the Future, my organization, ran during the year of COVID last year. Not that it's over, but let's... <laughs> We, we, we had ran a series of conversations online in a fishbowl style. So there was no hierarchy and they were open discussions and we were exploring what lessons were being learned during COVID and how can we capture this and not forget what people were reflecting on and grateful to be seeing more of or you know realizing what had been totally missing in our value structure. So we had nine of these conversations in different sectors of society. And then we had a 10th plenary session with the goal of compiling the, these lessons and ended up producing a document called Values for a Life Economy. It was really a collaborative effort of about 30 people, I think. Uh, who all in, in groups of in pairs actually submitted they had their di dialogues and then they submitted two values to add to this list and so combining them um, we came up with this beautiful list and it, it's um, so just like the first one you start with with I mean it always does have to start with yourself so we're, we'll move on from ourselves so we recognize that. So the first one really is love your neighbor as yourself. And there's a whole explanation of what that means. Um, then the second one is we promise to care for each other. So not just love, but actually moving it into action mode. So for example, in a company, that would be we commit to helping all people unleash their fullest potential. For example, that would be one expression of that particular area. A third one is we promise to recognize the sacredness and fragility of the world. That's where the planet comes in. Treating the earth and its species with compassion. 
So we've we've had in at uh, least in Western society this you know focus on growing economy and consumerism and a long time historically mankind has from the first seed actually that was planted we have this attitude that we can be in control and that the earth is at our service and, and we can manipulate it to make it better for us without thinking of the rest of life and of course it's the rest of life that actually gives us life and it worked for a long time this this symbiotic relationship but it's gotten so extreme now in the favor of, of mankind that it's really uh, challenging life on earth and obviously we know about the climate so a, a fourth thing which i found interesting is we strive to find more balance there was really a lot of desire in these people to find balance that it's been missing and so for example where egotism and selfishness reign we will bring kindness and generosity where wealth and privilege dominate we will aid the poor and oppressed where dishonesty harms relationships we seek to restore trust etc it goes on like that and and so we strive to balance self-love with love for others tradition with innovation all this kinds of thing so then of course there's the youth we promise to listen to our youth and co-create the future a sixth one is we promise to educate in ways that promote deeper purpose and values so it's a really one of the things that I liked in the story number three, which I'll tell you later, is the, this company's example of how much training and education they do because they they value the education. And so, yeah, I mean, there's lots to say about education. Then we encourage a deeper understanding of what it means to be a global citizen, one that supports a planetary ethos of stewardship. We need to combine our sense of citizenship with our local responsibilities and our global responsibilities because actually what we do affects not just myself my family my community but also other things you know life uh, far away so there's a lot that we have to think about that it's about striving to awaken from ego to eco and then there's the good ancestor. We promise to do unto all future children what we would have wanted our ancestors to do to us. So we have to really be conscious that what we have today is really a result of everybody that came before us. And did they do the right thing? Have they made, have they all made a better world? Have some made it a wor worse world? And what do we want to leave for our, our the future uh, humanity and uh, all life? So we really need to think long term. And of course, uh, the, the idea of seventh generation is much more popular nowadays, much more well known. That started from the Iroquois confederation in the United States. And then all of this behavior results in the life, what we call the life economy, which is that we promise to build a life-centered economy focused on being and thriving 
rather than merely doing. So the economy that we've developed often has very, very destructive and exploitative aspects to it that hurt a lot of life, whether that be plants, animals, other people. Uh, and so how can we be much more conscious of that? And then the last one is like the 17th SDG. Uh, we promise to work in collaboration because none of us can do that alone. And I think in a company uh, that's really important for people to consider because companies tend to be a bit siloed. You've got accounting, you've got marketing, you've got, you know, advertising or whatever, whatever, legal. And there really has to be uh, more interaction uh, between them, but then also interaction with the community. It's much more complex, but we have to take a more holistic view. We're not the only party in this. No, and I think there is a kind of an accepted behavior set amongst large companies where they don't know how to partner, how to collaborate with small companies. And, you know, you often hear of stories where a small company might bring a brilliant, well thought out idea to a corporate and a corporate might just go, well, why wouldn't we do that ourselves? Well, there's a million reasons why you shouldn't do that yourself. And the core understanding that actually collaborating with other groups, entities actually brings a richness that you can't hold to yourself. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I spend all of my life trying to help large corporates be more. And when I'm talking about sustainable, I'm talking about exactly what you said, which is if you unleash the full potential of every single person inside your organization, you're going to be successful business wise. And there is nothing more influential than the corporate body. And all of the things you just said, if corporate started or stopped for a second and thought, actually, how can we put that into action? And there are companies that are doing this and proving the impact and <clears throat> brilliant, Kim. So story number three. Well, story number three is really an example of a company in the United Kingdom that uh, really, really lives this stuff. It's called Ground Control. It was founded in 1973, so it's been around a long time. Uh, it was a fairly small company at that time, and they, they did commercial ground maintenance with a few large customers. And a couple, Kim and Simon Morish, bought it in 2004, but by 2018 it was uh, $135 million, so it had grown sevenfold in 14 years. Um, they have managed, there were been a lot of challenges through the years, but they've managed to build a very resilient business by looking at this more as an ecosystem. So they provide retail, design landscaping, landscape construction, grounds maintenance, tree care, winter maintenance, roofing and fencing. So it's the kind of all-inclusive grounds thing rather than just, you know, the plants around a building. And they have a variety of customers as well, from social housing, public sectors, to the uh, utilities companies. They live their values. 
very, very strongly, and that results in high staff loyalty, productivity, and retention, as well as long-term clients. And they desire to grow, but they only grow if they can live their values. So for example, they have a very inclusive staff. They work from a very high level of integrity themselves, the owners, but also they that is encouraged all the way down. They're very transparent about the state of things. Um, they're very innovative. They invest heavily in education and training. And for all their staff, but even for their subcontractors, because you know they're they're part of their their whole ecosystem. So they want their subcontractors to also be loyal, to also be professional, to also be experts at what they're doing. So they, they have their own university and uh, develop a, a leadership program as well. They have extremely high health and safety standards for everybody. Um, I mean, there's many, many things that they do. So they, they believe in long-term partnerships. So when they commit to something, they expect a commitment back. They grow within their means. So they don't, uh, they, they've had an annual growth of 22% over 14 years without outside growth capital. That's not bad going, is it? <clears throat> How many people would say to you that's not possible? Especially with a company that's growing in a way which is all about providing an environment in which humans can thrive. Yeah. And the planet. Fascinating. Right. We talked about before about empowering people. They, they do that. They value and empower their people. And they're very generous to charities. They actually, for every employee, they will match their gift up to 500 pounds. They, but they do a whole lot themselves. Uh, they have apprentice schemes, employment schemes for social housing residents. They profit share for all their employees through shares, share options, performance bonuses, even sometimes for subcontractors. So they have that loyalty. Anyway, they have mental health support, flexible working hours, just all kinds of things like that. They have a culture of acceptance and support. So it's, it's an amazing list and everything that you do in your create uh, model is what they do. Communication, all these things, respect, all, they live all of that technology, innovation everything. So they're a really fantastic example. And just to relate to the golden rule, they, they are definitely have built a company that is part of the life economy. So an example of, of the golden rule, just to make this real, is what they said. When I was working for another company, I would have liked to receive a share of the profits. So I will do the same for all my employees. That, that's what they were thinking. And then another example is, I appreciate all the education I received, so I'm going to do whatever I can to help as many people as possible to be educated. So that's a very specific example of leadership built around the golden rule that is super practical and successful. 
22% for 40 growth for 14 years. You can't argue with that, can you? That is golden rule in action. I've loved listening to you, Kim. I could genuinely listen to you for a very, very long time. But I think we're at the end of our amazing conversation, which will stay with me certainly for the rest of the day and beyond for the week. So in Time Honoured Ritual, I now need to ask you, what would you like to call your episode of Humans Leading Humans? Oh, well, we could call it Values for a Life Economy. I love that. <laughs> Kim, that is brilliant. That's what it shall be called. Why Thank not? you so, so much for your beautiful thinking. And I know there is, we could literally carry on this conversation for hours because it absolutely is entirely relevant for everybody who's listening to this because if you want to be successful, just look at the world through that lens. That's it. Thank you so much, Thank Kim. You. Thank you, Kat. It's been really a pleasure. <laughs> Wow. So it's that simple, the golden rule. I really hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did. And I would be really, really, really grateful if you could let me know what did Kim's message and that conversation provoke in you? You can always DM me or tweet at me at Catsy or at BeatMindShift. Or you can leave a comment on the LinkedIn post if you loved this episode as much as I did, please pass it on to any friends and colleagues you think might need a shot of inspiration or that you think that this super simple and powerful tip might help. You have been listening to Humans Leading Humans Towards the Future of Work That Works for People. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Marketing Society. And if you are a senior marketing leader, if you need the know-how and the network to succeed, and you're not already a member, get over to their website and become part of that tribe. I would 100% recommend it. A massive, massive thanks to the fantastic Super Terrania for the magical sting of stings. Go to Beep. Dot com to find out more about the Create Framework and how we support companies to unleash the problem-solving potential of humans. Thanks so much for joining me. I know how precious your time is. Please subscribe. The links are in the notes. Be inspired. Be imaginal. Be more human. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.